we are going back into the legislative session, so there's a lot to talk about. I'm Sergio Martinez Beltran. I'm Rachel Iacovone, and this is the TriStar State, a conversation about Tennessee politics from Nashville Public Radio. This is the episode for the week of February 7th, 2021. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Sergio. Hey, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I don't know. I'm preparing myself mentally and emotionally to go back into <laughs> session. <laughs> How's that going so far? Um, there's some work to be done, but we're getting there. Thank you for asking, though. <laughs> Well, like you said, the 112th Tennessee General Assembly is going back into regular session this week. That comes after passing a Medicaid block grant and holding a special session on education. So what can we expect for the next few months, said Hill? Yeah. You know, Rachel, I was at the legislature a few days ago, and I was talking to a lawmaker and his advisor in the hallway about exactly this. I mean, they passed a bunch of interesting and controversial measures in the first few weeks of January. So I was asking him, uh, and he's a Republican in leadership, about whether there were still going to be fireworks during the next few months. Now, it seems like because the legislature did the heavy lifting during January, he expects members will flip the focus back to their districts. And, and you know, we still don't know the shape or the forms of those measures, but that's one of the expectations. And of course, controversy is almost guaranteed at the Tennessee legislature. Well, and lawmakers have been filing bills. So let's talk about a few of them, said Hill. First, we have some COVID-19 related measures. One of the proposals would prohibit private businesses from requiring the use of face masks. Right. And I think, Rachel, the word private is key here. Uh, the bill is sponsored by a Republican, and he wants to tell a private business to not implement the rules or the protocols they deem appropriate to stop the spread of the virus. And that's interesting because, you know, Republicans are the ones who talk about individual liberties and empowering businesses. Uh, but, you know, a lot of Republicans would say these two ideas would be competing against each other under this proposal. Now, I don't know if this measure will be successful, but I talked to House Speaker Cameron Sexton about it, and he doesn't think the government should be telling business owners what to do. And, and there are other Republicans that think that way as well. LGBT issues have been at the center of the legislative debate for years, and measures that target transgender youth are common in the Tennessee General Assembly. What can you tell us about the new proposal brought up by Republican Scott Sapicki? Well, we've seen other versions of this bill in previous years. It, it's like the so-called bathroom bills. This one pretty much seeks to ban transgender students from playing on the sports team of their gender. So instead, he wants the youth to play with the team that matches their biological sex. In the past, we've heard testimony from folks who are trans and mental health experts who have talked about how a measure like this could have a negative impact. But we'll see if it moves forward this year. Guns is also a big topic of interest for lawmakers, and Paris Representative Bruce Griffey has filed a measure on this issue. Yes, the Second Amendment is always a big thing at the legislature. This bill by Representative Griffey is what people call a constitutional carry bill, which means that you could not be charged for not having a gun permit. Now, this measure was introduced last year, but the pandemic made it stall. So Representative Griffey is back at it again. This is a very controversial measure, but very popular among members of the GOP. In fact, Governor Bill Lee had pushed for a similar measure last year. 
And Sergio, you talked about 2020 and something pivotal that happened last year was the many protests for racial justice. This year, Memphis Democrat Antonio Parkinson has filed a measure that would recognize racism as a public health threat. What can you tell us about that proposal? I think it shows that lawmakers like Representative Parkinson are really thinking and reflecting on what has been happening. Now, Representative Parkinson is a black man, so his experience is way different than that of the majority of his colleagues who are white. But I'm very interested, Rachel, in seeing how that discussion will develop because the resolution is non-binding. It doesn't do anything besides saying that the legislature will commit to openly discussing and addressing racism. And, you know, we've seen multiple instances of racism in the Capitol. I mean, last year, for example, a white Republican made a racist comment to one of his black Democratic colleagues in a committee hearing. And that ended with an apology on the House floor. So we've seen this play out before. Now we'll see where it lawmaker stands in terms of what they think about racism and the experience of the people of color in the state. Cameron Sexton will once again lead the Tennessee House of Representatives. The two-term speaker is facing a new challenge, dealing with members of his own party who are being investigated by the FBI. In a recent interview with WPLN's politics reporter Sergio Martinez Beltran, Sexton talks about the recent raids, what he plans to do in response, and his expectations for this new General Assembly. Thank you so much for your time today, Speaker Sexton. This legislative session has already started strong and hectic in a way. Uh, The first week of session, both chambers debated and passed a block grant. Then the legislature went into special session to focus on education issues. Some people have said um, it's been rushed, but I want to ask you, why going so strong at it since the first day? Uh, Can you explain a little bit the urgency of this? Well, I think if you look at the 10 care shared savings plan, uh, we're under a timeline. It took us 18 months to negotiate, and then CMS gave us 30 days to to pass something here uh, in the General Assembly. If we waited 30 days, we weren't coming back till February 2nd. We would have never gotten it done. So we did move probably fast through the session, but not fast in the negotiating. But we've been moving fast regardless. So I don't really view that criticism as, as accurate in my mind. Uh, when you look at the education special sh- session, um, we only did things that we thought we needed to implement immediately, meaning after school uh, tutoring or summer tutoring concentration programs, summer camps, bridge camps, things that if we awaited until we, we got here in March, it would be April. By the time you get it signed and get through the process, you've already missed your opportunity. You can't implement it at that point. So we only did things in special session that we thought were urgent, and we held off on the other things until we come back in regular session. And I assume that the measures that came out of this special session focus on education, uh, that you consider them to be a success. But I want to know if you think more needs to be done uh, at this point to address learning loss or if the state has done everything it can at this point. Well, I mean, the state can do too much. Um, And so I think we're very aware of trying to find that balance. I think the interesting thing about doing the summer camps that are concentrated in reading and math for the lower grades um, because our proficiency rates are, are not good at all, and, and we can, can no longer accept that to be the case. Um, so I, I think the way we have it designed with a, a test before they start and in the middle and the end, we'll gauge very quickly if we're having any success in these concentration camps uh, on knowledge. 
And, and so we're hopeful um, how it is, but you know we'll, we'll see how it works out over the next two years. Do you think the legislature will have to revisit uh, the bill that was filed during the special session that would potentially um, defund public schools if they decide to not offer an in-person option? Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think we continue pursuing that. I think, um, you know, one thing I have learned down here, sometimes when we, we voice our opinion, and the governor's really tried to work with all the school districts um, I think all of them now are, are at least moving towards uh, an, an in-person option for parents and for students, um, which is a very good thing. Uh, so I think we still need to continue to move in that thing, in, in that direction. I'm not sure that, you know, this pandemic's not going to end anytime soon or how much it goes into the next academic year. So we just want everybody to have the same understanding of, we're not telling you to have the same number of kids in the class that you did three years ago. But parents should have the option to send their kids if they think they should be able to do that safely. So this week we go back into the regular session and members of the legislature have already filed multiple COVID-related uh, bills. I want to talk about this topic of individual liberties uh, because it comes up often and, and, and you know, during this pandemic, it's not the exception. And we're seeing bills that prohibit the requirement of the vaccine, for example, as well as uh, it bans private businesses from denying services to people who don't wear masks. So kind of want to hear your thoughts on that and if you think that bills like this are needed during this, uh, during this pandemic. Well, I've always been one that said members on the House have 15 bills they can file. If, if they want to file the same bill 15 times or a different bill 15 times, so be it. And, that, and that's their right. Sometimes they fail 15 well, times. It, 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 everything's relative down here. And so um, what, I, what I will say is uh, – when you talk about individual freedom, I, I think individuals, if they choose to wear a mask, then they should wear a mask. I don't think you should mandate that they do it. People have different feelings on the effectiveness of it. People have different ideas of if you don't wash it or wear a new one every single day, is it really doing the protection you think? So there's a wide range of thoughts on that process. I wear one down here. I try to be an example. I think more members here are wearing them now. I think businesses should be allowed to make that determination for themselves. If, if they want their staff to wear masks, so be it. If they don't want that to happen, so be it. And the consumers can make decisions and go where they feel comfortable and safe. And, and that's how I think, for my part, how it should work. Because when you look at California and some other places, all the lockdowns and everything they've done, their numbers are now as high as we've ever been. So it makes you wonder, does everything that's happening in California really have any effect on this? Or should, should we try to do what we can to keep the economy running, but be cautious at the same time? So then you don't think that the government should be telling private businesses if they should require masks or not? I do not. I think that should be the business's decision. And then in terms, you're talking about there's still people that don't know necessarily or don't agree with with the fact that masks are helpful to prevent the spreading of the virus. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you believe that masks are necessary and that help with the spreading of the virus? I think if done uh, the way that research says it should be done, which I'm not sure how many people are doing that, I think it does help the process of slowing it down. What it really does too is it allows you, if you get exposed and you're less than 15 minutes and you had a mask on and you're so far away, it keeps from you having to go into quarantine, right? Which I think for a lot of businesses is the bigger issue because you get four or five employees who get exposed and, and they go away, you, you might decimate your whole business for a while. Um, so, I mean, I think there is benefits to wearing a mask. I've never debated that. Is it what people say they think it is? I'm not sure because I haven't seen that in California and other places. 
but I'll wear one. But it should be the individual's decision. It should be the business's decision to make those determinations for themselves. Speaker, I want to pivot because um, to talk a little bit about your tenure. It's no secret that you became speaker in 2019 in the middle of a controversy involving Representative Glenn Cassada. Two years later, controversy has not left this building. Uh, the FBI, as you know, raided the offices and homes of at least three members. Other House employees are also under investigation. And Speaker, I remember watching you during that press conference on the day of the of the raid, and you seemed shaken. And I want to I wanna ask you if you can share with us how was that day for you? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think every person who, who's down here serving, who who has a relationship, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, you become friends with a lot of people. And, and so even though it looks like something happened and, you know, we'll see what come out. And so I can't really discuss anything because of, of the investigation and, and we can go in more into that. But, you know, I, I think that day was hard on a lot of people, right? Because you had a lot of lives um, that kind of took pause for a little bit. And then you had a representative Calfee who got caught up in it, who was never part in it. And so that was another development we had to work through to, to get the record straight on that. But, you know, it was a hard day because, you know, even though they're, they're your friends and maybe they did wrong or didn't did wrong, there's just this a fundamental belief that, you know, it, it's you, you want what's best for them. And hopefully it's not what it looks like it could be. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. And I assume that when you run for speaker, you don't expect I mean, you expect to face challenges, but not necessarily seeing your colleagues being investigated by the FBI. You'd hope not. You know, um, you know, you always hear, I mean, when, when I was running for speaker after I, I was um, elected before the uh, federal authorities came and, and was um, talking to me and wanted to cooperate and ask us if we could assist them. Of course, we were going to do that. And, you know, I had previous speakers, not the previous one, but previous before that, um, and former chief of staffs, not the last one, but before those, who, who would say, here's some keys, here's some advice. Um, and one thing I don't, and I don't get messing this, is they're like, the first thing is, if the federal authorities ever come and ask for information, give it to them. And, you know, always cooperate, always do what you can. The second thing was, is allow the clerk to do the job and don't try to get the clerk to direct bills where you want to go because that creates other problems. And so I've taken the advice that I've been given um, from people who've been in this position before. Um, and so I've been trying to do that as I go forth. You said during that press conference that you had been contacted uh, upon becoming speaker by the law enforcement authorities. Can you share that timeline with us? I can't give you the timeline. We're, we're just going to kind of stick to it because that will that may give out information about the investigation. But the investigation evolves too. So people are reading a lot into that or not enough, and I'm not going to argue that point. Um, but what I said is, is shortly after becoming speaker, um, the federal authorities um, approached my office and um, had some questions and and asked us to help them assist and cooperate with them, and, and so we did. And it was all about the previous speaker and his role. And, you know, <clears throat> what they asked, you don't know exactly at the end what may or may not they be looking for. You just you do your best to cooperate. What's your relationship with the previous speaker? I mean, again, you become speaker after he had to step down and he's still in the middle of this controversy. It's almost like you have had to face all these challenges because of Representative Glenn Cassada. Uh, curious to know what's your relationship with him. Well, I mean, we, we talk. We haven't talked as much since um, the investigation started because I, I think his attorneys would agree with the attorneys that we have here of, <clears throat> of, of 
him keeping his um, communication limited and just around legislation and this sort of stuff. So we're very careful how we proceed. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's been here a long time and, and he does some, some very good things on policy and he's been a voice for a lot of members. And, you know, so he'll continue doing that, I guess, for the time being. We'll see what comes out of this. And um, But usually whenever at this point we're all having to make sure that we don't uh, do anything. And so, you know, that's why I surround myself with um, a couple of different attorneys and we continue to have conversations and, and make sure they know what we're doing and what we're talking about. So that way, if anything ever questions them, we're all, we all know what's happening. So back in 2019, um, I remember your <coughs> promise to clean house. Your interim chief of staff in this case is one of the employees that is being investigated. Are you also going to clean house this time once the investigation is over? Well, I mean, we'll see. Well, you know, one of the things, you know, what I said, I don't know if I used I would clean the house. Um, I think I said there would be certain people who would not be employed sure. back, and, right. and, and those individuals weren't. And we've continued to, to do differences. We, we've updated the policy and procedures guideline on numerous things. And um, so we're continuing to try to make this place mirror more what's in the business community and what's more expected than there. And sometimes government is a little bit far behind on that. So we'll continue in that process and uh, making sure that we, we're doing the same things that the business community are doing. You, I, I want to ask you too about um, your conversation about unity and leaving partisanship aside. That's something you've talked about often. You talked about it when you became speaker for the first time. But we've heard about Representative Gloria Johnson's complaints. Uh, the Knoxville Democrat has uh, claimed that she has been punished with a tiny office because she didn't uh, vote for you as speaker. What's your response to that? Well, we've given out many statements. You know, when I say you, 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 we want to have unity, we want to have decorum, we want to have respect for one another, it's a two-way street, right? And I'm not trying to imply anything on anybody. But, um, you know, you around here, politics is politics, and... Uh, we're not agree on every single thing. A lot of things that get to the House floor, we all vote on 90, 90 votes or whatever. But there's a lot of things that we can work on. My unity is more so much like we're not all supposed to have kumbaya moments and uh, sent by a campfire and cooks more, right? But we can have disagreement and we don't let it affect us on how we govern on the next policy. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm fair and I'm consistent and, you know, we had a meeting, um, I'm not going to go into all the details of, about it, but you know, we're, we said, we'll try to work to, towards some solution. We'll see what that looks like. The other thing is, is when you're in disagreement with somebody, you can't run out into the media and start calling them a liar and, and all that sort of stuff either. That doesn't work as well. Was it a partisan decision though? I mean, to give her the smallest office. Look, my first office in the Lisa Plaza was less than 120 square feet. Your success in the General Assembly is not defined by your office. It's not defined by how big of an office you have. Your success down here is really about you working and developing relationships and getting policy passed. So you would say that it was just coincidence that she got a small office? Well, I mean, I signed all the offices, so, so it's not I, coincidence. I, knew, I knew where she was going. At the end, is really a member's status defined by the size of their office? I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's defined by how well you work with others and, and what good policy you can pass in that year. That's what makes a member successful, not the size of their office regardless of whether someone thinks it's big enough or not. I have to ask you my last question. 
which is what's next for you? Because I am assuming that being speaker, it's forever and ever, it's not your thing. Um, so truly, I want to know if you're running for governor. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, right now I'm focusing on this. Um, I think Governor Lee has done a wonderful job, and I get that question some. And my plan is to support him in two years in his reelection. Um, I, I think he, during a pandemic and tornadoes and everything else that's happened in our state, he's done a great job navigating us through unprecedented times. So I have no plans to run for governor. House Speaker Cameron Sexton, thank you for your time. Thank you. And happening this week, the State of the State Address. That's right. This will be Governor Bill Lee's third State of the State Address. This is when he unveils some of his budget proposals for next year and his legislative initiatives. That's happening on Monday at 6 p.m. WPLN News will carry it live at WPLN.org and on 90.3 FM. Cool. Well, we really appreciate you for listening to the TriStar State. You can keep up with our political coverage and this podcast by subscribing. It's very easy to do that. You can subscribe at wpln.org slash TriStar or on your favorite podcasting app. Ciao.